Okay, we got this. We're going. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, March 15th. Observer. I'm Danielle Battaglia, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. I'm joined today by Lucille Sherman, and together we will talk about what's coming up this week at the General Assembly. This week will be different from previous weeks because lawmakers have worked the entire session to get schools reopened. This week, lawmakers compromised with Governor Roy Cooper on a bill to get students back into the classrooms. The bill passed the House and the Senate and was signed into law Thursday. Lucille, you were downtown for this moment. What was it like down there? Yeah, so I think it was Wednesday. Was it Wednesday that he that they Wednesday. made the announcement? Okay, my days are mean nothing anymore. So yeah, it was Wednesday morning. I kind of got called. I kind of got called in to cover this and was sort of scrambling to get downtown. It was outside in this little sort of like courtyard across from the General Assembly building, and the legislative leaders. And Governor Roy Cooper sort of joined together to make this big announcement at the press conference. It was sort of like your regular press conference. I want to say it was like this surreal, crazy moment where people compromised. But it was really a regular con- a re- regular press conference. But it was significant because people of other parties were complimenting each other. They were also talking a lot about how proud they were of themselves. (laughs) So those are the things I noticed. And it was also this thing where it's the first time that there's been this big of a compromise with the legislature and the governor. And that's really significant. And so we'll see if the compromise ends there or if it'll keep going sort of the rest of the session. And and it's the first time I think we've seen Governor Cooper out of... um... Well, out basically since COVID-19 started, which I like to think of him and uh, uh, DHHS Secretary Mandy Cohen living in those like giant bubble balls that you see kids play with um, because of germs. So it was interesting to see him actually out and about and, you know, not in a bubble. Yeah, it was it was really weird. It was sunshiny outside and he was just talking outside like normal, which I think that's really the only time he's been outside since the protests, um, the George Floyd protests over the summer. Um, So, yeah, Mandy Cohen wasn't there, but he was. And it was sort of this weird, oh, you're not on my TV screen doing a press conference. And can you explain a little bit what the bill does to get students back in the classroom? Yes. So first, I will say plug for my colleague Don Vaughn and... Kern, who have done a really great job covering this. But yeah, so they know this inside out. Um, But from what I understand, the bill requires elementary schools to open in Plan A. And it also requires that middle school and high school open in Plan B. Is that right? A or B. They can decide. Oh, yes. A or B. See, this is why I need to... (laughs) And plan A means they don't have to be socially distanced, where plan B is they can be six feet apart, um, or they have to be six feet apart, and apparently that would make it more difficult for them to be in the classroom five days a week. 
Yeah. And this is what's interesting about this to me as someone who hasn't covered this as closely as Dawn has is that it seems so similar like on a, on the surface to what legislators proposed a couple weeks ago because if you remember they proposed a school reopening bill Cooper vetoed it they tried to override it in the Senate they were one vote short of overriding it and there was even thought that they were going to try and re-override it which is a whole yeah. complicated thing that we won't even get into I was very excited about that but yeah on the surface, just the seeing the process yeah it's super nerdy but yeah it's they're really similar compromises or they're really the compromise is really similar to the bill the legislature passed but it just allows most significantly it allows cooper to say hey we need to shut all the schools down in this district again we're going to go to this plan that i think is important and i think that was ultimately where the legislature really gave in to cooper and that was sort of where the compromise was because otherwise except for a few small differences it was pretty similar to the bill that they passed a couple weeks ago and people keep asking me so i feel like i should throw out there that there is the option for virtual learning still for parents who aren't quite comfortable with getting their kids back into the classroom but i will say now that this bill has passed the general assembly they're all scrambling to figure out what do we need to do next um i've talked to a lot of different people today and yesterday um, trying to figure out where do we go from here and they're all basically like a giant shrug emoji um they've got to figure out what um their next key issue is so they've had meetings um early friday morning into friday afternoon and i've been told that they will be meeting through next tuesday trying to figure out what the next key issue is one thing that we're going to see on Tuesday afternoon in a House Judiciary meeting is um, House Bill 264, which is the Emergency Powers Accountability Act. Um, and this is basically a bill that would strip Governor Cooper from his ability to extend a state of emergency beyond seven days without the consensus of the Council of State. If he wants it to go up to 30 days, he would need that consensus from the, emer or from the uh, Council of State. Why are lawmakers pushing for this change? Yeah, so it all goes back to about a year ago, um, around this time last year. It was actually in, I think, April or May, whenever they started sort of this process. And lawmakers, Republican lawmakers in the General Assembly were pretty frustrated that Governor Cooper had all this power to shut down the state, to shut down bars and restaurants and gyms and everything else. And so there was all this debate about when should we reopen? How should we reopen? Which is better, keeping the state shut down or getting sort of the economy up and running? And that's really where this stemmed from. So this is really all about power, exactly what the bill says. It's about who has power. Does the governor have explicit power to make decisions by himself? Or does he have to lean on other people from other parties that are also in the Council of State? And there are quite a few arguments. I mean, some arguments I've heard are that, you know, you don't expect the superintendent of public instruction to be able to make decisions about a state of emergency in the state. That's not what you elect them for. And so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's one of those political moves that is really 
about, yeah, who has power and who gets power and who gets to make the decisions. Yeah, and even Governor Cooper has said he's not opposed to them changing the amount of power he has to do this, but he has said, please don't do it now while we're in the middle of a, you know, public health emergency. Like, let's get past where we are, we are at before we complicate things. Um, so I don't think even he is really opposed to being stripped of some of that power. Yeah, and it's like, We've been in this state of emergency for we're really coming up on a year. We're really I think we might have passed our year mark of a state of emergency. And that is a long time to be in a state of emergency. And so I can understand why Republican lawmakers are like, hey, a governor shouldn't just be able to let us be in a state of emergency for an entire year or months or whatever. And speaking of being in a state of emergency, um, last week, Congress passed a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill. Um, that includes $350 billion for state and local governments. Our, um, our D.C. correspondent, Brian Murphy, has been covering this extensively, extensively and breaks down um, exactly what you need to know and how this effect affects North Carolinians. Um, North Carolina is scheduled to receive $9 billion in aid and... Um, Obviously, lawmakers are going to have to start discussing that and what to do with that money and how they're going to use funding. Um, also being discussed this week will be nominees for the UNC Board of Governor Governors. Um, former North Carolina Senator Joel, Joel Ford seems to be a front runner for that and has bipartisan support. Um, there's also a local there's local bills that will be discussed this week for fan attendance at sporting events. So uh, these are the big issues that seem to be coming up in the General Assembly that we can suss out so far. Um, and that's all for the week of March 15th. For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Battaglia with Lucille Sherman. See you next time. We'll be right back. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com newsletters. Thanks for listening.